As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and at least occasionally, Sportsman Drag Racing. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the one, the only, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Jed's in Alabama. I'm in Illinois. We are coming to you through the modern marvels of technology, whether you are watching along live on the Sportsman Drag Racing Facebook page on Tuesday evening as we record, or you're catching this uh, via more traditional means. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Big Jed, what is up? Bogak, uh, man, so much more gooder than I was the last time we were together. Um, you know, just a few little lingering snipples and whatnot. But um, told Paige prior to the show, I think I'm about 89.4%, which I don't know that I ever really get to 100. So I, I'm in, man, I'm in much better shape, doing a lot better. So you sound a lot more chipper, chipper. Yeah, yeah, more chipper. Um, uh, I'm, I'm the, I'm about my hemist him right now. Uh, so. <laughs> and Jed, you are the hemist. 89% yeah. of you is still the hemist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's pretty good. How about we, I'm great. I, I'm I'm trucking right along, about to leave for Topeka for the last edition of the oh, the man. Heartland Nationals or whatever it's called these days. So yeah, what kind of ride uh, will that be to uh, to Topeka? Well, it's funny you say. It's funny you ask. It should be about a six hour ride. The last couple of times I've ventured that direction, it's been an all day affair. We've, we've had not had the best of travel luck on our, my last couple of trips to Topeka. So I'm hoping it goes a little differently this time. I've got a one piece windshield again in my motorhome. I think that's a step right. in the direction. Um, yeah. So we're going to try not to burn it to the ground. We're going to try to keep the windshield in one piece. We'll see if we make it to Topeka in round about six well, hours. Well, let's hope your time on the road 
is uh, is good. I just hope my time on the road is just that, rolling down the road. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. We've got a big show on tap this week. Uh, Chris Bear can't lose. The Fast Bracket Championships, a little bit more clear after last weekend, but Big Jed, there is only one place to start, and that is because the OG50, the 30th, running of the World Super Pro Challenge Mid-Michigan Motorplex in Stanton, Michigan, had what I think is undeniably, the tracks said so themselves on their social media feed, the most popular champion in event history. One, Steve Micus claims the OG50, $50,000, stays in the state of Michigan. Jed, what was your first response when you heard that Steve Micus won the 50. Well, can I just be completely honest and transparent here, Luke? I know I can, because that's what we do here on the show. I was like, Steve Micus is still racing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I know we'll talk about it in the show, but Steve used to, well, there was a time where he stretched his legs and, and traveled a little bit, but um, doesn't do that much anymore. So I was a little surprised. I actually... Uh, picked up the action on uh, on Facebook with nine cars left. Uh, saw one of those Calcutta's posted or something. So I saw Steve was still in and I thought, well, that's pretty cool. Steve's a, Steve's a tough racer. And then I went to bed and the, the next morning I asked JJ, did you, did you see who won the, the 50? And he looked it up and he said, Steve Micus, like, I don't, I, is, is that his name? Steve Micus? I said, yeah, Steve Micus. I said, he's a bad dude. He's a homegrown local right there. That's good stuff. So I thought it was awesome. Luke. The most popular winner in $50,000 race history in the, in the world super pro challenge history, the, the reports that I got, obviously neither one of us was on the scene. We were not boots on the ground, big Jed, but every report I got, people are texting me. Saturday night going, man, this is the coolest scene I've ever seen. And all of the pictures, it looked like the whole racetrack's on the starting line, right? For the for the winner circle portion of this. And there's a line that formed to shake Steve Micus's hand. Like just running through the line, just I just want to be a part of this. Like the vibe around this just seemed unprecedented. And I guess to understand that dig a little bit more into the the career of, of Steve Micus. This dude's a lifer, right? I mean, he's been at this probably longer than I've been alive. And my interpretation, I won't claim to know Steve all that well. When he, when he hit the road, uh, we were at a lot of the same events. We talked a lot. Like he's just, uh, he puts off that, that vibe of just very soft-spoken, very appreciative, very humble guy, would help anyone. Um, and he's always, at least my impression, he's done a lot with a little, right? He's never had the name brand stuff. It's very much hands-on, old school, like the way that he does it is the way that he does it. Just to a little bit of um, of perspective, Mike Ledford, who is the, the track owner, operator up at MidMichigan Motorplex, he, he loves to, he's a great storyteller. I, I wish I could get him to come on the show, right? But he's for years that the line was, Steve Micus, did you know over a Michigan winner in a one-bay shop, that man started with a 210-inch hardtail car. And come March, 
he rolled out a 230-inch four-length car. Did you know Steve Micus in a one-bay garage over a Michigan winter rolled in in October with a 28-foot tandem axle trailer and rolled out in March with a 32-foot triple axle trailer? That's Steve Micus, right? And in a way that only Mike Ledford could tell it. He he had tremendous success locally for decades, right? And to your earlier point, Jed, probably about a decade ago, I believe after retirement, he hit the road. He kind of sowed his wild oats. And when I say Steve Micus hit the road, Steve Micus went everywhere. I mean, Pomona to West Palm Beach to Atco, like nothing was off limits. He hit it all. NHRA, big dollar bracket racing for probably four or five years and had tremendous success. Top 10 finisher in NHRA national points, national event winner, multi-time big dollar bracket race winner. Like he took a show on the road, did it his way with his equipment and had tremendous success. Now I would say to your other point, Jed, like he's still racing. It, that's probably been five years ago. And in the last five years, I've, I see him pop up, but it's never outside the state of Michigan. Like his show really doesn't get on the road much anymore. It is his home track at Northern Michigan where he, Everything that I hear, the dude is just revered. Like, I think he's the mayor of Northern Michigan Dragway. It seems like he helps everybody. Like, he's the man, right? Ventures to Stanton. You see him at US 131 for the SFG events, the bigger events there. Rarely see him outside the state of Michigan. He's, this is an ongoing trend. Steve Mike is 70 years old. And we've seen a lot of guys in their seventh decade on this earth, having tremendous success at the top levels of our sport this year. Um, it's pretty cool. Like when you step back at it, just a revered guy, a deserving winner. And I think a champion that just everybody, my, I asked you, what was your first instinct when you heard the news? Mine was just a smile. I thought that's cool. And I think that's just about everybody. Yeah. We've got, you know, he's just one of those guys. I don't think I've ever heard a bad word about Steve Micus. You know, just one of those guys that, as you mentioned, is is loved by everyone, respected by everyone, and you know, certainly uh, envy a lot of envy for the way he goes about his business. He's he's quiet, he's unassuming, he's uh, practical, and he just gets it done. And and he's done this for so long now, so. Uh, I can easily see why um, why this is is looked at as the most popular champion. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, a lot of times, when when one of our senior racing members gets a big victory like this, you know, it's a, it's the Chet Dragon effect. It's the you know, everybody comes out of the woodworks to love on them. This would have been the same had it been twenty years ago for Steve Micus. He's just been that guy for that long. And, and people have always loved and respected him. So uh, I'm, I, regretfully, I have not got to see the, uh, the scene around the, the winter circle or any video or coverage of that, but uh, I definitely need to go try to find that. I'm sure it was incredible. Yes. Yeah, you just, you think about like the, the typical arc and, and this may be in my mind, at least this is pretty widespread, right? You go through a stage where you start to have, success at some point in, in your career and and the people surrounding this so they're intrigued they're like oh who's this you know that's having some success like what what is he or she doing that we're not like you you get intrigue and then you start to maybe win a little bit too much 
right? And and you're all the same stuff that you were doing before. Now people despise you for like there's a there's an element of envy of jealousy, and then you come out of that and maybe you still win, continue on that line. You you just largely become misunderstood because people don't take the time to really get to know you. And then eventually you just do it long enough that you're just kind of universally loved, right? And Mike is to your point, he may have transcended that, right? Like I don't I don't know that I've ever talked to anybody that disliked Steve Michaels. I don't know that everybody loves him just because he doesn't let everybody in. You know what I mean? Like he's a pretty quiet guy. But I don't I've never talked to anybody that disliked him. But you take that typical arc from intriguing to despised to misunderstood to ultimately universally loved like i think that that applies almost across the board like take next year's og50 or any big event for that metal matter edmund richardson wins it i think we just celebrate the heck out of edmund richardson and his career in the sport and if you had told the the racing community 30 years ago that edmund richardson would have been anything and everybody universally would celebrate no way, right? There was a time where he was the most polarizing guy here. He just won too much. Nothing against that. He just won too much, right? And I think Mike is at least on a on a local or regional level, went through all the same stuff. And now we just get to a point like, man, this dude does it, has done it his own way for years, has helped everybody he could help, like has probably done wonders for the sport that we don't even realize. And now it's just cool to see. I feel like every racer that competes at the level that has the passion for this that a, that a Steve Micus does deserves that moment. And it was cool to see Micus get that moment. Yeah, very well said, Luke. You know, uh, these days there are a lot of great guys that win races, as you mentioned, but just, you know, it's hard for, for the general racing public to, to love them for winning because Typically, you're going to see guys that are winning the stuff we want to win, and the human nature side takes over, and and you 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 know you get aggravated seeing it too much. I'm not sure Steve Micus could win enough that would ever turn that around for people. I just he's just one of those guys that you just you know you're always going to love, win or lose, and especially in the winning times. And who knows how many more. Uh, World Super Pro Challenges, Steve Micus even has any more desires to go to, goes out and wins the 30th one, which is a pretty special one all in itself, and, and an event that means so much to his home state, and the longest running event out there of its kind, pretty special win for Steve Micus, and, and deserves to be celebrated at a very high level. I wonder, I wonder if the Ledfords could pull it up. Of the 30, I wonder how many Steve Micus has been a part of. Like I, I'm not gonna sit here and say he's not missed one, although I think that's possible. I would be willing to bet and he ain't missed many. Yeah, it, it couldn't be more than a handful. Like um Steve Steve strikes me as a guy that, you know, if there was uh, uh an important uh, birthday or anniversary or something in his family that fell on the world super pro challenge he would go do what is uh perceived to be the right thing to do and, and attend a family function or you know if there had been a, a passing in the family or something that he needed to attend to so he strikes me as a guy that would go do that instead but if nothing was in the way i could see where he's probably made dang near all of them well, if there was nothing in the way in 2023, they ain't changed that date in 20 years. I think he's good. 
Yeah, it would have to have been uh, something <laughs> popped up, I'm sure. Other other notes from the 30th running of the World Super Pro Challenge. I mentioned in the intro, Chris Bayer seemingly cannot lose in 2023. Obviously, he did not win every day, but he did not go home empty-handed. He won the Thursday $10,000 to win opening event to just further extend his dominant season. Friday's 10 grander was Colin Estes getting the win in his dragster over Donnie Hagar. Hagar off the bottom all the way to the final in one of the most prestigious events in the country. And then obviously Steve Micas's $50,000 win over one Chase McKay. And I was actually going to bring that up when you were talking about it earlier. I don't want to speak for Chase McKay. Chase McKay lost in the final. And I would bet on the racetrack at some point, he's like, man, that stinks. Really happy for Steve Micas. Everybody had to think that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. You know, we talked about the onlookers, you know, having love for Micus and knowing that he just won what they wanted to win. But the the guy opposite of him in the lane, um, you know, one win light away from becoming part of history. I mean, let's call it what it is and comes up short there. Steve Micus might be the only guy around or the only guy in racing that that you just had to smile about coming up short to. I'm sure uh, I'm sure Chase knows what that meant to to Steve and and certainly uh the event history um I, it is really cool to to see that happen and I know Chase probably uh stung very short and very little now Chase McKay for to his credit definitely an up and coming uh racer in this sport second generation racer that's Mark's boy and that was a theme particularly late in the 50 second gen or in some cases, third gen in full force, we had Lane Ledford in late. We had Blake Fuquay in late. We had Chase McKay in late. When I was frequenting that event 20 years ago, um, it was, you very much had to go through Jeff Ledford and Mike Fuquay and Mark McKay to win that race. It's just cool to see things come full circle and that next generation duking it out late in the event as well. Um, we mentioned Steve Micus with the win. Chase McKay, runner-up. Justin Daniels was the lone semifinalist. His sister Kaylee, Kaylee May, the semifinalist a night prior. So pretty good weekend for that bunch as well. Yeah, Luca. obviously it's cool to see the second generation racers out there competing. But what's cool is the event has lasted long enough to provide that platform for the, the children, some not even born, uh, at the at the inaugural event and now they're getting to compete and and doing it in a solid crowd where there looks like there's no end to this thing it looks like it it's going to go as long as the Ledford family or the mid-Michigan management if that ever changes uh continues on so uh that's what's really cool not you know not trying to diminish the fact that the the second gen racers are getting to do it but um you know, this is a platform where hopefully their children can can still continue to do it. And we get some third gens and there'll be some third gens out there if if there isn't already uh, at 30 years of, of event life. So really cool stuff. It's a special event. Like in this day and age, I guess it would be easy to feel like, ah, it's just another 50 grander. Like there's a lot of those now. Right. But I remember going to that. I remember reading about that event before I could go to it. And then going to that event when it was one of a handful of the biggest, the richest events in the country, 
And even then the vibe around that particular race, like you knew it was a big deal, but it was such a fun family atmosphere. Like the, that event is just unique in and of itself. Like, I don't know that I can compare a lot else to it. Maybe to some level, like the winter series back in the day, it, it probably doesn't have quite the, the converging talent in one place that, that Florida did, you know, in the, let's say the 1990s. But it was kind of a similar vibe in that there was a very much a family atmosphere. It's obviously extremely well run. And every time that I've been back, you know, relatively recently, it's that same, nothing's changed. You know what I mean? It's just like going back in time. It's a really cool race. If you've never been, I was happy to see it get a solid crowd. Once again, 300 plus every day of the event, the following of this is great. The way that people talk about it and romanticize it is similar to what I just did. I saw a lot of that on social media. Like this is, this is an annual event for, for people even more so than it is a race. And as they typically do, uh, the Ledford family came out immediately following, or maybe even during the event, set the date for next year. It is that traditional first weekend of August, uh, coming back again in 2024 for the 31st running of what has become a, uh, one of the longest, if not the longest running big dollar bracket races in the country. Yeah, no doubt. I, you know, I, I can't think of one that's, that's got any more, uh, consecutive years than, than the world super pro challenge, uh, legendary event full of legendary champions. And, you know, like you said, 300 plus each day, it looks like, uh, you know, this thing has a, a ton of life left in it and, and it'll continue on. And, you know, we definitely look forward to talking about the 31st winter, uh, in August of next year, but it looks like there's going to be many more decades of this thing with the health of it right now. So great job to the Ledford family, all the people at mid-Michigan and certainly the racers and sponsors for continuing to support it uh, at, at its 30th year of existence. So full team effort and uh, a very healthy event that, uh, that we can't wait to, to see continue. Yeah, it is August the fast brackets of the NHRA tour, top sportsman, top dragster, the championships may not have yet been decided. They may not have been decided last weekend, but it feels like specifically the division one event in Reading, Pennsylvania could have gone a long way toward determining those two champions. One Brandon Miller, who you may remember started the year on an absolute tear, won the first three events that he went to. He advanced to the top sportsman final yet again, dropped this one by just two thousandths of a second to Gerard Millette. That was Brandon Miller's fourth final round of the season. Again, the first time that he did not emerge triumphant. Um, it's not over. It, there's a there's a battle at the top, but Brandon Miller has definitely laid the foundation for a championship season here in 2023. Obviously got off to a great start and, and you know, that is key to putting yourself in the right position early. You know, we, we've seen some late runs and, you know, a la Danny Nelson, we see some people get on streaks at times late in the season. You know, Jeremy Hancock uh, in the top dragster category kind of Bradley Johnson got mm -hmm. off to an early start and held on, but really put the push on mid season. Um, but, you know, Brandon put himself in a great spot. And as you said, not over, but definitely the guy that, uh, that they're chasing and a couple of more big win lights or final round win lights for him is going to have him sitting in a, a very, very good spot. 
Yeah, as insurmountable as three wins and a runner-up sounds at this point in the season, it's a touch misleading. One of his wins was just a four-round race, so that's a little bit short on points. But to be clear, Brandon Miller is in the driver's seat at this point. Also in the mix, current leader Brian War, who has been red hot himself lately. Uh, He's got one win in three final rounds, had back-to-back runner-ups along the Western Swing, one in uh, Woodburn at the Divisional, one in Seattle at the National. He's definitely in the mix. A few others that could probably make a run. Um, Mark McDonald's got a couple of runner-ups, including one last weekend at Indy. Uh, Alan Firestone could make a strong run at this with uh, with some good showings at his upcoming national events. We had mentioned early in the season, Jimmy Lewis started his year with back-to-back wins. He's cooled a little bit, but he's got plenty of races left. And obviously that's a guy with the talent, the potential, and the championship pedigree to make a run. And J.R. Laubner, who we kind of, we, we joked last weekend, probably not going to make a run. But at this point, he's batting a 1,000, and you have to respect that. So top sportsman, far from over. But Brandon Miller looking really strong, particularly after his win last weekend. Another racer that is looking pretty strong in the fast brackets. How about Vince Mussolino earned his third, third NHRA Division One Lucas Oil Series event win of the season last week and he did this one this is not one that he's going to forget this was a family affair in the final vince defeated his daughter natalie in the top dragster final to get that third win of the season oh wow what a special final round getting uh, to race your daughter and and you know good for them for going out there and putting up a good clean race uh, where you know there was uh, nothing given or conceded on purpose. So that's awesome. And the third win for Mussolino obviously has him in a, a wonderful spot and uh, talking about how many events are left. So he's done that in just a few tries, which is even more gooder for your score. So Vince definitely put himself in a great position to make a run to title. Luke. When I saw that Vince Mussolino had won yet again. I knew he'd he'd been on a tear to start the season. I was ready to come on here and talk about how perhaps both titles got decided in Reading, right? We knew Brandon Miller and and what he's put together to this point. And I thought Vince with three wins and I think his semifinal as well, like he's got to be up there. And upon a little bit further examination, it's not that cut and dry. Vince Mussolino has yet to attend a national event in 2023. So I don't know if... There is a desire at this point to make a run at this. Admittedly, it would be difficult from a logistic standpoint, from a uh, geographic standpoint. There are only seven national events remaining on the schedule that contest top dragster, and that includes two in the next two weekends at Topeka and Brainerd. Oh, by the way, Vince Mussolino has not entered in either one of those. Either one would be a haul from his New York home. So that leaves five events. You get to claim your best three out of five if you were to make all the rest of the five potentially if he could make three or four of them given his divisional score there is opportunity there i would feel like the upcoming national events in reading and where he just won and charlotte are likely if not obvious for him i would assume given this recent run that vince is likely to be the division one representative in the all-stars so that would mean a trip to dallas so that's three if that's the case indy I don't know that he's got anything fast enough to get in. That's a salty field. Pomona is a possibility, but that's a long way from upstate New York. So again, I don't know where this leads, but if he would consider it, you got to be thinking pretty strongly about it at this point after garnering that third NHRA divisional win of the season in just five attempts. 
I would think so, Luke, that you have to be thinking about it. But, you know, there there might just be some uh, some passing on it, because if you haven't tried to run any of the nationals thus far, it just doesn't seem likely that you're going to go to the farthest ones away from from your home area, even even if there's a, a realistic opportunity, a mathematical opportunity to get it done. So uh, I obviously don't know what where Vince's mindset is on that and still remains to be seen if it would make sense for him to to go after it. But oh, let's be me, clear. It does not make sense to go after it. It does but not. Most in his likely. situation do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. But I'd say most in his situation have at least attempted a national or two, especially with them in your home region. And and he has not chased those. So it doesn't seem likely that that uh, that he'll go after it. But you never know. It'd be fun to watch if he does. If he does, I think realistically, Top Dragster looks to be a three-man race at this point, regardless of what Vince Mussolino does going forward. I think right now, as we record on August 8th, the odds-on favorite is probably current points leader Clint Geis. Uh, Clint has been also has three divisional wins, um, two of which were six-round races. Clint is out of the north uh, Northwest, so they get an extra round out there. Now, as I've discussed here before, um, that inequity in points drives me crazy. Like just as a, an example here, Clint Geis has uh, has had multiple six round event opportunities. They take 48 cars in top dragster in division seven, as well as division six. So that means that he is racing to potentially earn 105 points for an event win versus every other division and every national event in the country is racing for 95 points to win, or in many cases, uh, if it's a four round race, just 85 points to win. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that someone like Clint Geis or anyone on the West Coast has a marked advantage because there is a flip side to this. If, for example, he were to runner up a six round event, you only get 84 points for that. That's after winning five rounds. If you win five rounds in any other division or at a national event, you win the race and you get 95 points. That's 11 more points for doing the exact same thing. So, the current system, I don't think you can necessarily say is unfair to anyone, but it's not equ equitable. Like it's just, I've argued this for years. Obviously it's not going to change, but it just seems nonsensical for a nationwide series to not operate under the same rules, the same structure from one side of the nation to the other. Why do we have 48 car fields over here, 32 car fields over here? I'm not even going to get down in the weeds and, and argue which is better. It just needs to be the same. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you you make some very valid points, and it's hard to understand why the system works the way it is, the way it does. But you kind of nerded out there on a on a pretty high level. But I mean, you really you you broke that down. That was uh, you like that. that it's was, one that thing. Was really, in if I go to a a super comp race, and there's it's one thing if there's ninety cars at one race, and there's thirty cars at the next. All you can do is beat the people that are there. Right. But that's not a qualified field. Just everybody that shows up gets to race. Like if we're limiting the field, why are we not limiting the field the same at one event to the next? It's never made sense to me. But regardless, back to Clint Geist, those three divisional wins, unlike just like Vince Mussolino, unlike Vince, he's also attended a handful of national events, including a semifinal finish recently in Seattle. Also, unlike Vince Mussolino, Clint Geist is entered in Brainerd to be making that trip to get national event number three. 
definitely making a run at this, probably the odds on favorite at this point, but let's not diminish the chances of one Blake Peevler. I said this could ultimately be a three-man race. He would be the third, former national champion, two wins and runner-up already. Uh, his his championship run might have taken a bit of a hit last weekend. He did fall in round one at Indy, but that's one race. He's got a lot left on the schedule and obviously the experience, the pedigree to make a run at this. If you're asking me right now, August 8th, I'll say it's one of those three holding the trophy at year's end. Yeah, it's hard to argue with, Luke. Uh, I mean, obviously you're uh, you're in tune to to who's performing and and how the points could shake out going forward and and who's entered in races. I've got about this much right here to add to to that conversation. I mean, I don't. I would sound more of an idiot than I am, and that's hard to do. Uh, so uh, I'm just going to trust your judgment and assessment of this point situation and say one of those three guys. Don't be a champion. Moving on. How about my man, Jesse Fritz, Big Jed? He proved that his national event victory in his first attempt at Columbus just a month ago, he proved that that was no fluke. Okay. Think about this. Just put this into perspective for the listener. It was less than a year ago. We were talking about Jesse Fritz advancing to the Christmas on the Coast final round in his last hurrah in a junior dragster. Fast forward, what, nine months? He is now 15 and one in his NHRA super gas career with two Wallies, one on the national event side, one on the divisional side. Pretty incredible stuff. Very, very impressive. Uh, Jesse Fritz, I, you know, Jesse and I have uh, have crossed paths a couple of times now, so I will go ahead and claim Jesse as one of my dogs. Uh, I think you know we've we've done some announcing together. We're you know buds. Uh, we've we've got each other's number. So Jesse's my dog, and uh, fifteen and one in his super gas uh, career thus far. Obviously, just starting this year. Just freaking awesome. I mean, this young man has so much talent, so much ability. And is going to be so good for so long. Uh, just, you know, uh, when you just really think he can't impress you more, he goes and does something like this. Um, excited to see what Jesse accomplishes. And, you know, I saw him looking for an entry into uh, Topeka. I think uh, I, I think it was Topeka that he was looking for. Must not have gotten it. Uh, because I think I saw a post where he was looking for somewhere to bracket race for the weekend. But um, this young man is capable of winning an NHRA competition, obviously in the bracket world. He is going to make a tremendous name for himself out there uh, in racing and deserves it. He's a, he's a student of the game. He obviously uh, studies the craft, understands what, or, or how to employ different strategies and uh, use his skills in different ways on the racetrack. Very impressive and, and really looking forward to, to seeing what he accomplishes, not only this year, but, but years going forward. You know, as you, you mentioned in the show, the, the Super Gas champion is, is all but crowned this year. But had Jesse started the season like this at the same time, you know, he – he would have definitely been part of the conversation. I don't think he can get to enough events probably from where he is in, in his position in life right now to, 
to make a serious run at it. But you keep putting up round records like that every 16 times you, you stage, uh, obviously you're going to win your share and you're going to win some, some end of the year trophies. So really happy to see Jesse doing what he's doing. Yeah. I think as a listener, if you're looking at Jesse Fritz's success and wondering like, is, could this be a, a, a contender to the, the championship run? Ah, I don't think I would go that far and that's nothing against Jesse. I think Sherm's booked out. That's a done deal. But at this point at 17, 18 years old, the first time to, to compete in Supergas. And if he wants to continue, if he wants to, to make the requisite events the rest of the way, like a top 10 finish is very, very attainable at this point. How incredible would that be at that age? Like pretty, pretty impressive stuff. Again, not to, yeah. to just constantly toot the horn and sing the praises of one Jesse Fritz, but uh, it is unique. It is very rare what he's doing. If we stick with the 990 category, and we shift gears to the Division One event back in Reading. John LaBoost Jr., Big Jed, he had a right result, maybe wrong class win at Reading over the weekend. Obviously, LaBoost wins the 990 category once again. I don't. I think it's fair to say nobody's catching Sherman Adcock Jr. That's a done deal. If you had asked John coming into the event, which category would he rather win? I think unequivocally he would have said super comp where he is very much locked in a battle for the championship with Henry Theobald and perhaps others at this point uh, that did not happen for him, but he got the next best thing getting the super gas victory in Reading in super comp big Jed shocker. Tom Stalba won at Reading. That's what Tom Stalba does for like two decades. He owns that place. Got the super comp win. It was his 29th career Lucas oil series. NHRA Wally. Yeah, obviously, John LaBeouf Jr., uh, as you mentioned, right result, wrong class, um, certainly capable in either the 990 or 890 category, would obviously prefer to get his uh, his wins in the 890 category right now. But It's a right uh, result, wrong class kind of situation. Yeah, it really is. And, and I know he probably feels the same way, but um, still a, a guy that it does it on the level John LaBoost Jr. does it on and, and certainly um, goes to as many events as he needs to get to, to, to compete for the championships, you know, top 10 finishes are, are a big deal uh, for, a, for a guy that's out there trying to, you know, win gold cards and those types of things. So um, although it was not the perfect class win for him, it was a great one still. And, uh, and I'm sure John will, put his name on the short list at the end of the season. And Tom Stalba, 29, Luke, 29. That's a big Luke number. Division. And this is not a guy that runs all over the country doing it, brother. I mean, this is a guy that stays fairly regional these days. He has had his times where he traveled and got his share of those 29 uh, and traveling the circuit somewhat. But uh, he doesn't do it very much anymore and still out there getting it done in you know division one which is obviously the most difficult division to ask win any at. of them they'll tell you ask any of them they'll tell you that and and getting it done in arguably a very challenging category in super time so awesome deal for for tom Staba. love that dude high energy good dude and uh, and really enjoy seeing him win 
A couple of quick hitters from the Division Three event at Indy before we move on. How about Dennis Dowson, Big Jed? Top sportsman winner at Indy, and my man gets the box score of the week without question. How about this? Just going through the pre-run sequence for one Dennis Dowson. He does his burnout. He looks up and verifies the dial, and it's 660-something on the long track. He then slams the door. <clears throat> slams the door and then looks around this massive freaking huffer that's sticking out of the hood to just wreck the tree five consecutive rounds my man in his 660 blown door car never let go worse than eight never let go better than two which was in the final six thousand spread in top sportsman to win the indy wally that that's what I'm talking about there, Big Jed. Look, you, you call it the box score of the week. This is the box score of the year, brother. I mean, this is a dude going 200 plus miles per hour. Uh, can't even see the tree. You don't know how he's reacting to it uh, this, the, with the huffer there. And obviously, well, it, it looks like he was in the left lane, but this was a divisional um, report. So it, actual lane was not shown. They just show the winner in the left lane. So, Maybe he wasn't in the left lane. Maybe he could see the tree. Regardless, dude laid down 28 foul total in five runs off the tree. Okay, so a 005 average in a car going 200 plus miles per hour. And, you know, obviously was driving it a little too. I mean, he qualified with a 662, was on a 670 in the final round. Looked like he, you know, to, to go 24th out above, I don't know what you got to kill. You got probably got to kill 10, 12, 15 miles per hour. So, you know, he, he drove a little when he come around Mark McDonald on the other end. I mean, just doing it all. This is, this is an impressive a box score as it gets. You know, we talked last week. Um, crap. My, my mind's blank. Who was the box score last week that, that was so impressive? I forget, but I hate Somebody. to put you on the spot. I hate to put you on the spot like that, but, you know, we were talking about, yeah, I probably said, yeah, I'm going to pull. Oh, Parker Theobald. Yeah. Yeah, Parker Theobald. I'm pull a couple of thou here, a couple of thou there. Well, it looks like Dennis said, oh, yeah, I'm 008 first two hits. I'm going to pull me 3,000 since I've got, you know, a nice tight. He goes 005 the next two hits. For the final, what the heck? I think I'm seeing it good. I'm gonna pull me three more thou and go double O two right here. So he moved nothing. If it if it worked that way, then good for Dennis. But regardless, uh, six thou window over five runs. I don't care if you were thirty to thirty six. You got a six thou window over five runs in a two hundred plus mile per hour car that you shut the door on. Uh, very very impressive. I don't know that there will be one this year that's going to be more impressive than that. Not to belittle the accomplishments of one Parker Theobald because they were similar, right? And not to belittle what it takes to be competitive in the 890 category. I mean, there's a lot going on there, right? Particularly at Sonoma where Parker won. You, you, you're figuring numbers, got that throttle stop ratio, put the number in. You probably do your burnout, look up at the flags, make sure that that wind's going where you thought it was, maybe make a quick adjustment. But then your main concern is, Hit the tree, execute at the finish line. Okay. Not to say that hitting the tree is not important in top sportsmen, and I've never done it. But if I'm down 660 with that huffer in front of me, that is not the biggest concern in my mind. Locking in on the starting line is, I mean, I'd like to think you could do it, 
But man, there's a lot to think about right there. Yeah, not me. I couldn't. Um, <laughs> there's no way. And, and to have the concentration it takes to lay down a window like that, super impressive for Dennis. You know, I, I wish I could relate because I, I, I'm giving this a lot of credit. I wish I knew exactly how that feels and what it looks like, because I think that I would, would celebrate this even on a higher level. Had I, if I even had any kind of understanding for what he just really accomplished in what he accomplished it in, but uh, very impressive just from the outside looking in for sure. Meanwhile, Tyler Kahili, he scored again at Indy in Superstock. He's got two wins and a runner up through just six events. And he is very much in that mix, Jed, of super talented drivers atop the Superstock standings this season. We've talked about how much fun Superstock is going to be to track down the stretch here, but you add Tyler Kahili to the mix of Monty Joe Bogan, Kyle Rizzoli, Brad Burton, reigning champ Pete Dagnolo, multi-time champ Kevin Helms, uh, Byron Warner, Ryan McClanahan. The whole top 10 is guys that you expect to win championships and or have done it before. To watch them battle this out down the stretch is going to be a ton of fun. And obviously now Tyler Kahili very much in the middle of that, if not one of the front runners. Yeah, don't sleep on Tyler Kahili. Obviously, you you listed off some freaking legends in the sport and people that have accomplished a ton, Luke, and and are having good seasons in their own rights. But Tyler Kahili builds junior dragster engines. Now, I'm a junior parent, and I know when your kid's looking at you like, are we going to get to race this weekend? And, and Tyler's got your engine. This guy deals with pressure, brother. I mean, he understands pressure. There is no <laughs> pressure like the junior dragster pressure that parents and, and people that work in that industry are under. So Tyler understands pressure, and he, he can handle it. I promise you, because if he can deal with the junior world, he can deal with anything. So uh, if he gets out and stretches his legs a little bit and, and turns on a few more wind lights, he's definitely going to be right there in the mix with these guys. Um, obviously a very talented list, uh, you know, when you talk about Monty Joe and Kyle and uh, Burton and Diagnolo and Helms, I mean, those are some of the toughest names in the game. But do not sleep on Tyler Kahili. This cat can get it done. Without question, I hope that he's got the the wherewithal and the the schedule flexibility to make a run at this. If there's ever a time, it's now. I I haven't I didn't look closely at the points. He's done well in top sports, and he's got to be vying at least for a division championship in that category as well. So I hope that there are enough races left on the schedule for Tyler to make a legit run at this because um, he that the top of this echelon among this echelon is where that dude belongs. Very, very good driver, probably underrated for a lot of years and uh, just a likable dude in general. We talked about the OG 50, the, the longest running big dollar bracket event, presumably at this point in the country. I don't know that it's on, it's certainly not on the same level payout wise, but similar level and prestige, particularly for the region. Last week was the 52nd annual running of the night fire nationals in Boise, Idaho. You and I talked about it last week. It's a bucket list event for both of us. Once again, it went off seemingly without a hitch. The Sunday winner, Big Jed, in both the, the bracketeer, that's the main um, you know super pro, if you will, category, as well as the pro no box class. The points came down to the wire, Big Jed. The Sunday winners of both events 
were also the points champions. So I assume that there was some drama coming down the stretch on Sunday. The the winners, names that you're probably familiar with, one Sean Schaefer on in the bracketeer category. He is your weekend points champ. Very prestigious thing at the Nightfire Nationals. He's also your Sunday Super Pro winner. On the bottom, John Cosette, your Sunday winner over Curtis Zanzaletta. Just like Schaefer, Cosette parlayed that final day victory into the weekend points title at the Nightfire Nationals. Yeah, you know, obviously a huge deal for for the people in that region of the country, Luke. Uh, a lot of racers travel into it. It does have the bracketeer aspect to it where the bracket racers are getting to compete on a big stage out there and getting to compete in a legendary event, as you mentioned, 52nd annual. I mean, that's incredible. This race has it all. It's got freaking funny cars and uh, I think jet cars and all kinds of things happening that you don't typically deal with when you're just out there big buck bracket racing. So these guys are are having to work around a lot of spectators. They're having to work around uh, lots of different types of cars out on the racetrack and probably some delays in, uh, in round to round competition. So, um, you know, extra special when you, when you win an event on this stage, uh, certainly with this kind of legendary status, but, you know, how many of us can say we, we won a race where that we were at with, with that type of other equipment out on the racetrack, you know, in that atmosphere. So I think when they, when they put this trophy on the mantle or in the, the, the racing cave or wherever they put it, uh, it'll have some extra special meaning. And then coming down to Sunday to the end points battle on the line, the weekend points battle, uh, winning the races, winning the points battles, really cool stuff. Uh, certainly uh, these, these will be very memorable wins for, for those racers. Good stuff. I've always loved that element of the big dollar event, like the weekend points, the the week long points, what have you, and, you know, kind of a throwback to the Moroso days. It just adds a, a level of intrigue to the whole event and throughout, as you would expect <clears throat> at an event like the Nightfire Nationals, the <clears throat> roster of winners is a who's who of the West Coast. You had David Meyer knocking down a uh, Saturday win in the bracketeer class. Gary Bullington won Friday over. Our man Cooper Chun, who just continues his recent hot streak. So congrats to Cooper. The bottom ball class, some guy named Andy Schmall won the first day. I, don't, I think we could breeze over that. I'm not real familiar with that name. He defeated Tim O'Moore. Um, certainly racers on that part of the country familiar with O'Moore as well. That is a, a knockdown drag out um, final round on the bottom ball. Second day on the bottom, Bobby Day over Jesse DiBartolo. And then again uh, on Sunday, John Cazette gets that win to clinch the points championship over Arizona racer Curtis Zinzaletta. Yeah, great list of winners there. Certainly happy to see Cooper Chun make another final. Uh, Andy Schmall over Tim, o- Tim O'Moore. That's a that's an epic final round right there on the bottom bulb. So great to see that. David Meyer, all those guys, really cool stuff. Uh, seeing the the popular winners out there for sure. And uh, Luke, my my buddy Sean Clark, as we kind of talked about a little bit last week, he he's telling me, look, man, I got you something to drive, and I got you somewhere to stay. If you can ever make it out here, let's let's plan it for 2024. He's like, I'm in, you're in, let's do this. He, he's really trying to get me to lock it down, you know, like right now, say I'll be there. So 
be careful, be careful, Sean, because I will take you up on it. You'll, you know, you'll wake up me missing some pop tarts in the morning. I'll make myself at home. I'll run the crap out of your stuff. Just be careful, brother. That's all I'm saying. But I, definitely a bucket list event that uh, I hope to make it to one day. Uh, Luke, last uh, last thing on the, the results list. Our buddy Jake Hodge had the working man 10 grands at Kill Care over the weekend. Uh, from what I understand, really good crowd, strong, strong support from the racers there at Kill Care in that area of the country. So happy for Final Call Promotions and Jake Hodge. Friday's gambler's win was Wayne Adams over Joey Moore. Saturday, Corey Butler got the win over Jason England. Jason come from the no-box side where he won no-box over Lucas Walker. And uh, Jason had purchased uh, the high roller or whatever entry that, that allows the no-box racer, if you purchase that type of entry, you can advance into the, the uh, Super Pro category once you win. And he did that. So uh, good for Jason making that final round. Saturday's junior winner was Benji Matthews over Hunter Davis. Uh, Sunday, Kevin Long got the win over Hal Blevins. And Sunday's junior was nine-year-old Aspen Dom getting the win over Cadence Suchek. And uh, the event MVP, courtesy of that Friday win, a good deep run on Saturday and a semifinal finish on Sunday was Wayne Adams. Uh, again, great attendance. Looked like a, a really good event there, final call promotions. The working man, 10 grands. I think this was the uh, fifth version of it, if I remember correctly went very well. So uh, happy for Jake and uh, all the staff and all the, the racers that got to stand in the winter circle and enjoy those big victories. That's the Aspen Dom. She races with Gary. That's an 1190 junior taking on the big check. I love it. Yeah. Nine years old. Got the win. So good stuff. All right. Good stuff. I think that's it. I think that's the show. No, um, no shocker there on that Wayne Adams MVP. That dude's like the MVP of that area for the last two decades. And that's another one. The show don't get on the road a whole lot. You don't want nothing to do with Wayne Adams. That's a bad man right there. You don't want that smoke. Yeah, be careful. Be careful. You, you want all the smoke. You don't. You might not want that smoke. He's the hemist. He is the hemist. Luke, on the horizon, uh, that we'll talk about the next show. Uh, obviously, you're going to the final national event at Topeka. I'm sure there'll be some stories there to tell. Hopefully your results are uh, something that you want to get to discuss here on the show as well. So we're wishing you a lot of success and wind lights out there. Certainly. I've been uh, saving just... them up for a while in the super gas class. Yeah. They're bound to, they're bound to <laughs> let loose at some point. Bound to fall. Just don't race Austin Williams. You'll be fine. Try to uh, stay away from Austin. Yeah. I'll try to stay away from Tim Nicholson. If I can avoid yes. those two, I might Good have a call. chance. Is, uh, is Jess getting to compete? Oh yeah. Yeah. Defending okay. event runner up. Awesome. Good for her. So we're looking forward to hearing the Bogacki results. Uh, the Seattle double, uh, they got the, the double divisional out there. I talked to Mike Eames yesterday. He's, uh, he's getting all prepared for that as well. So uh, those would be some good things to talk about. And uh, there's some regional big bucks action, you know, not any of the, the huge premier events on the, on the schedule at the moment, but there's uh, there's definitely some good racing that uh, hopefully will uh, give us a little something more to talk about next week. So we'll be able to, to discuss a few more results in next week's show. That wraps us up for this week. If you uh, had a comment about this show or something that, that you'd like for us to talk about on a future show or whatever, just whatever you got to say, there's a place to do that. It's the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. A lot of you have chimed in here while we've been on the show. 
and uh, certainly uh, appreciate that. And we, we've also uh, enjoyed when you got something to post uh, outside of the, the time we're recording the show. So if you got something, go to the Facebook page there and let us know. If you don't want the world to see it, you want to keep it private, there's a place to do that right there through our private message. And producer Mark will grab that up and uh, tell us what you had to say. Luke, I've seen you go to the notepad a time or two. I think there's a shout or two out there. I don't have a whole lot. Shouts to me and you. You said you want to be out of here at 7.30. We're going to be out of here at 7. Love it. for an efficient sportsman drag racing podcast. Shouts to Pop-Tarts. Shouts to Division I racers. They're obviously the best. And shouts to John LaBoose Jr. It was a it was a right result, wrong category situation, Big Jeff. Yeah, that you know, I hate, I hate winning the wrong class, but you know, it is what it is. Sometimes you just got to deal with it. So first world problems. Yeah, good list of shouts. Love that Pop Tart shout out, uh, Pop Tart. If you're looking to sponsor the show, we'll talk about you in a beautiful light. So get with us, guys. Man, Pop Tarts, baby. All oh day. man, oh sometimes together, bro sometimes together. Luke and I are active on the X. Twitter has changed over. It's a black X now. We're active. Get with us. Luke is at Luke Bogaki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. Does I it have a name? JP1111X. It... That's me, baby, right here. Is it still Twitter? Does it, is it, we don't know. Nobody knows. I think it is. Maybe. I think it is, but I mean, you change the logo to me, you just might as well change it and call it something else. The birdie oh, was a, the birdie thing was a tweeter. What's the X? It doesn't look like a tweeter. It's a great point. Regardless <laughs> of what they call it, I'm gonna check it religiously about every two or three weeks. So I'm all over it. I got it. Guys, add us. We love to hear from you on the on the X or the Twitter as well. That wraps up this show. Thank you for watching. If you're tuning in live, there were quite a few of you out there tonight. We thank you for that. If you're just getting a listen on Friday, we appreciate this as well. Either way, we're happy that you're a hashtag loyal watcher or hashtag loyal listener. And we will be back next week. And we can't wait to talk to you again real soon about more Sportsman Dragon. Those long nights, early mornings, rolling down these old back roads, working all Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, 
This is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.